Hello and welcome back to Franklin Covey's On Leadership series. My name is Scott Miller and I serve as your host and interviewer each week. Now most weeks we're privileged to be interviewing an amazing best-selling author, business leader, industry titan, some expert that has well-deserved insight on the topic of leadership, both for your personal and professional lives. And then occasionally, the production crew invites me to share some of my own insights. They call them Scott's Thoughts, about once every six weeks or so. So today is that day. I'm gonna riff, if you will, on two topics I'm passionate about. The first one is the role that listening plays in your leadership skills. I believe passionately, from my nearly 25 years at Franklin Covey, that a key leadership competency, beyond being able to communicate effectively, is being an empathic listener. Secondly, I'm gonna talk also about the power of understanding your strengths, popularized by the Gallup book, Strengths Finder, originally known as Now Discover Your Strengths, and both as a business leader and as a spouse, uncle, cousin, aunt, parent, how important it is for you to know how to identify strengths in other people. Let's talk about the power of communication. Now, as leaders, we've spent the majority of our education and our career focused on the importance of being a persuasive, influential, strong communicator. And if you look back at your undergraduate and graduate school classes, probably most of you had speech classes, presenting classes, facilitation classes, and I'll bet much of your professional development in your career has been centered around how to communicate persuasively, you know, using software packages, PowerPoint and, and Prezi and others, and command of body language, and being a, a repeatable communicator, meaning most coaches will tell you when you've announced a new strategy once, that's the first out of 50 times. You have to keep repeating it over and over again. And we also know if we wanna lead other people, we have to be credible. We have to have a strong vocabulary, a command of our industry terms, and almost all of our communication education, if you will, is focused on speaking. I think so few of us, me included, have had much time and attention paid to the necessary communication competency of listening. I don't know about you, I never had a course in high school or college around listening. I mean, I'm in the industry, and I probably had four or five hours in total of listening training. And that came from attending the Seven Habits three-day work session, where habit five, for about three or four hours, is on empathic listening. So my advice to you today is to really think about what is your listening style, and how effective are you at listening? You know, recently I wrote a LinkedIn blog around how difficult it is for us to kind of get out of our own autobiographical responses. In habit five, which is seek first to understand, then to be understood, Dr. Covey talks about how important it is to move towards an empathic style of communication. More on that in a second. Before that, he names four or five different styles of listening. Talks about selective listening, kind of listening to the parts of a conversation that inter interest us and sort of subconsciously checking out. We all do it, selective listening. He also talks about pretend listening, is you appear to be listening by saying, uh-huh, yeah, right. Things like that are, that are unnatural responses when in fact we're not listening to the person. We're in our own minds thinking about our own autobiographical response. How has our world, our own experience shaped how we're going to respond or react to what the other person is saying? And then most of us are really pretend listening we're not, as I mentioned earlier, we're formulating our own response. We're just waiting for the moment when the other person will literally stop talking, finally, 
and allow us to share our own wisdom, our own experience, solve their problem for us, one-up their story. I mean, think about that. Be introspective for a moment. How frequently are you interrupting other people because you really haven't been listening to them? I would tell you it's sort of the ultimate sign of respect is when someone else is talking to intently listen in both with your heart and your mind to understand not just what's being said coming out of their mouth, but what's, what's really the emotion behind it? What's the pain or the circumstance or the desire of the other person? I practiced it this morning. My wife's getting ready to buy a new car and she really wants to have a tan and brown or brown interior, and so do I. All of our cars are white on the outside and tan on the inside. And we have three young boys, ages four, six, and eight. So they trash our cars inside. The car we're thinking of buying has a dark black interior. It's lovely, but it gets so you know, hammered in the wintertime in Utah. And so my wife said to me, I know we can't buy one with a tan interior, but I wish we could. The reason we can't is the one they have available happens to be black and it's a good deal, it's a trade-in and it makes sense, you've been there. And so instead of this morning automatically saying, well, honey, it's not an option, I just practiced a little bit and said, you know, I totally understand, I agree. And I can appreciate why you want the tan. I wish we could find one. Would you like to wait a little bit, knowing that we couldn't? And so I just kind of repeated back to her what she wanted. And I tell you, she felt a little more validated because my typical response is to shut her down, explain the facts, remind her of the agreed upon process. And that gets me nowhere but self-satisfaction. Does not help my relationship. So I would encourage you the next time, literally an hour from now, when someone is talking to you, check your own paradigm. Are you in your head or are you selflessly getting in their head? And again, if you're at all like me, really try to resist the temptation of interrupting. About five years ago, I had the privilege of meeting the renowned linguistics professor from Georgetown, Dr. Deborah Tannen. She was a prolific communication author in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. You've probably read some of her books if you have a communication background or degree at all. And she taught us an amazing concept around how to prevent yourself from interrupting. Listen carefully. The next time someone is speaking, put your lips together. Like physically, let your upper lip touch your lower lip. Not artificially, don't purse them together, just keep them closed. And keep them closed, relaxed but closed, for the entire time the next person is speaking. And then just when you think they're done, don't open your lips and in your mind, count to five. It'll feel awkward, it'll feel unnatural, but according to Dipper Tannen, and I've seen it played out since I've learned this from her time and time again, it's during that five second period where you remain quiet and keep your lips closed so you can't talk that the other person is dramatically more likely to keep on talking. And in that next phase of communication, they're likely to share with you something that's quite personal, or they remember something they wanted to add on, or they disclose something that helps to you better understand what's really going on with them. And then you can respond, hopefully in an empathic way. The best way to interrupt your communicating, your interrupt, or to stop your interrupting, is to keep your mouth closed and listen for five more seconds. Try it next time, you'll see an amazing improvement in lessening on how often you interrupt. Now, this topic is all about understanding your strengths. 
I started my career back in 1992 with the Disney Development Company. It's a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company. And like most companies, we had an annual you know, town hall meeting where they hired the famous author, Marcus Buckingham, who at the time, was uh, one of the thought leaders of the Gallup organization. He went on since then to open up his own company and recently sold it to someone else in the industry. But Marcus came and keynoted this Disney conference and talked about the power of knowing our strengths. Years later, I saw him again at the World Business Forum in Chicago. And to this day, it is the most powerful speech I've ever heard. And I work in the industry, and I'm with some of the greatest speakers of all time in the Franklin Covey Company. And I've shared with, with Marcus, it's the greatest speech I've ever heard from anyone. He was in Chicago, and he talked about, again, the power as a parent of understanding your strengths. But the concept relates just as much with parenting as it does with leadership. Now, loosely interpreted, because it's been a decade, he was at a professional baseball game, I think maybe in Boston or New York somewhere, and his son at the time, about six or eight years old, was quite invested in their team, so to speak. And their team was losing, horribly. Not much hope they were gonna win. And Marcus was there, Marcus was there as a dad, not as a rabid football fan, or sorry, baseball fan. And what was fascinating was for Marcus to kind of for the first time understand how amazingly passionate his son was about this baseball team. In fact, the son was becoming quite emotional. If I remember the story correctly, he was even starting to cry and tear up because he was so distraught that his baseball team was gonna lose. He was worried about how they were gonna feel about it and what would the locker room be like. And I may be embellishing now, but the story from Marcus was so amazing because at this moment, he'd had this epiphany that his son had these enormous strengths around empathy and kindness and caring and compassion. And he wasn't gonna probably be an engineer. Maybe he will, but probably not. These are not traits that you typically associate with engineers. Not to disengineers. my best friend, my brother, is an engineer. But he started to believe he's probably not gonna code, he probably won't be a scientist, he's probably going to be a counselor, a therapist, a teacher, an advisor, a coach, someone who can use these enormous natural empathetic skills to lift other people up, to identify with what their pain and their strengths are. And at that point, I was single and had no glimpse into ever being married. It was, you know, it was eight years before I ever got married. Got married in my 40s. And I remember thinking, that is so powerful. And I thought back, my parents who were great parents spent a lot of time way too much time focused on my failing algebra scores in high school. We hired tutors. I was nearly suspended. I was always on um, academic probation. I was being restricted from the tennis team. I couldn't do anything, literally, because of my failing algebra grades. I mean, I, I, I took algebra one multiple times, the same course. It just was not in me. And I look back and think the thousands of dollars my parents spent on all that tutoring and all the summer school, I wish they would have had the insight to know the kid's not gonna be a mathematician. Quite frankly, to this day, I've never solved for X. There's someone much more smarter than me over in finance that can do it in half the time. I had other strengths. I was a student body president. I was leading the homecoming parade and organizing with the superintendent redistricting rules. I was, you know, I was doing all the surveys in the school about the culture and, and working on you know, better safety and, and smoking cessation classes for teachers, literally. And if anybody had just taken the time to sit back and say, what are Scott's strengths? 
What are his passions? What are his natural proclivities? Yes, you have to pass algebra. And I won't argue if pass is a D or a C or a B or an A. There's a lot of uh, intent parents on what it means to succeed. Quite frankly, I would have been just fine with a D because it wasn't gonna be my future. But the damage that I think was inflicted upon me on my self-esteem, my self-worth, my confidence was enormous. And I'm not gonna do it to my kids. My parents did a lot of great things um, to me and with me and for me, I'm not discounting them. But as I speak to you, I think it's incumbent upon you as not just a parent, but as a leader. Take a breath, step back, look at your team. Are they aligned right? Are they in the right roles? Do you have the latitude, the permission, the elasticity to create roles or to better align roles that really help them to succeed and build their confidence? Because as a leader, that's part of your job, right? Is to catch your people doing things right and not force people, force people in roles where it's not bringing out their passions. To do your best to say, you know what? I'm not sure this, right, this role is right for you. You have amazing talents. Would you be open to a conversation around how I could help you outside the company, find a position that really brings to life all of your strengths because you're knocking yourself up against a brick wall every day and I want you to succeed. And if it's not here, it's fine somewhere else. Now, easier said than done, I know, but with a high trust relationship and as an empathic listener, you'll build rapport with that person. And as a leader, you can help uncover their strengths and align them better in the organization or perhaps in a high trust where you declare your intent moment. My, my, my intention is to help you be a rock star. Can we talk about all of your options, inside and outside? When you go home tonight, whether you're a parent or not, because all of you are uncles and aunts and cousins and big brothers and sisters and spouses, partners, significant others, neighbors and friends, how could you, with little effort, listen better to your fellow friend, family member, team, teammate, peer? And is with some small intention and effort, could you help some other people be more aware of their own strengths? And while you're at it, ask yourself, what are your strengths? And I, I've done that a lot. In the last couple of months, I've really been introspective around my own journey in life. What have I learned? What is true about me? What's not true? What do I believe to be my strengths? What have others told me are my strengths? What have others said to me are my weaknesses, but if I chose to work on them, they actually could be my strengths, or just own them and say, you know what, I'm not great at that, and I'm okay with that. I don't need to be expert at that. I'm gonna spend my time, my quote 10,000 hours, if you will, to become an expert on this. Life is short. Discover your strengths, and discover those around you. I hope you enjoyed today's two insights on leadership around how listening is a key leadership communication competency and how as a parent, as a leader, as a friend, as a partner, how important it is to not just discover your own strengths, but to uncover, discover, unwrap the strengths of those around you. Now, every week, this on Leadership newsletter is sent out via email. It's complimentary, comes out on Tuesdays. If you haven't yet subscribed, please do so. It is the fastest growing leadership resource in the world right now. Go to franklincovey.com and register. Invite your colleagues, your friends, anybody you know. It's also available in a downloadable podcast on all your favorite podcast channels. We hope you enjoyed the time today and we'll see you back next week with a great guest.